and welcome to our second lesson in Healing University. Man, praise God. You know, so far I'm the only one that has taught, but we do have a lot of other speakers and we're going to be bringing to bear on your healing all of these other speakers and the revelation that God has given them. And between all of us, we have seen people raised from the dead. We've seen blind eyes open. We've seen deaf ears open. We've seen the lame walk. We have seen all kinds of miracles, and we are sharing the things with you that has given us faith to see these things happen. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as we share these truths with you, Psalms 107, verse 20 says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. God's word is coming unto you, and, and the word has healing in it. It also says in Proverbs chapter 4, I believe it's around verse 20 or 22, it says that God's word is health unto all those who find it. It's health unto your flesh and life unto all of those who find it. God's word is coming unto you, and it's bringing healing. So in my first session, I started trying to deal with the fact that God wants you well, you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that not only can it happen, but that God wants you well. That is his will for you. And I shared a lot of things about that. I want to turn over to Isaiah chapter 53. And I want to show you some things that the scripture here is saying about the atonement that Jesus made for you. And I'm going to make a radical statement. To some people, this is radical. For people who really know the Word of God, this isn't radical. It's normal. But did you know that Jesus provided healing for you in His atonement just as much as He provided forgiveness of sins? Now, to some people, that's heresy. Because as a whole, the body of Christ has split salvation up into forgiveness of sins is the only thing that's guaranteed, and that's available to all and even though God can heal, he only heals some people sometimes and then prosperity sometimes and other things sometimes. But forgiveness of sins is the only part. When most people say, when they talk about salvation, they are talking only about the forgiveness of your sins. But I'm going to show you from Scripture that the healing for your body is just as much a part of the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ as the forgiveness of your sins. Right here in Isaiah chapter 53, I'm going to break right into the middle of this. But in verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. If you go back and study this and take it in its entirety, this is a prophetic psalm about Jesus. It is one of the clearest passages in the Bible about what Jesus purchased for us through his death on the cross. And it says right here in verse 5, And with his stripes we are healed. You know, I grew up in the church and I heard people take this verse often and talk about, well, that means that we were healed emotionally. He will take away your sadness and give you gladness and he will, he will heal you in other ways, but it doesn't guarantee physical healing. You know, right here it says it very clearly, but let me just let the Bible comment on itself. 
In Matthew chapter 8 is where Jesus entered into Peter's house and Peter's wife's mother, his, Peter's mother-in-law, was sick. She had a fever. And so Jesus rebuked the fever. He didn't praise God for giving her the figure, fever. He rebuked it because it was from the devil. The fever left. And here's what happened. When people begin to hear about this, it says in verse 16, Matthew 8, 16, And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all, not some, but all that were sick. And here's the reason he did it in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So this is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. And it quotes it and applies it directly to physical healing. This is the reason that he healed all that were sick was to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah that he bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. By his stripes, we are healed physically. This is saying that healing is a part of what Jesus purchased for you and me. And let me make some radical statements here. I know we're just getting started in healing university and this may come on too strong. But I believe it's absolutely true that healing is just as much a part of salvation as forgiveness of sins is. Jesus would no more want you to be sick than he would want you to go sin. Now, you know what? If you go sin, I think every one of us understands that there is forgiveness and that God still loves us even when we mess up. And if you are sick, God still loves you. I'm not saying God is mad at you. I'm not saying that somehow or another you've done something wrong, that it's sin. But I'm saying that God doesn't want you to be sick any more than he would want you to go out here and commit adultery. God doesn't want you to live in sin. God does not want you to live in sickness. He has provided salvation for you. And salvation includes the forgiveness of your sins and healing. Here's another verse on that in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 24. It says, who his, own self, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Over in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, By his stripes you are healed. That was before the cross, but now that the cross has come, by his stripes you were healed. It's already a done deal. Did you know you don't even have to wait on God to heal you? God healed you before you ever got sick. He has already made the provision. It's the exact same thing as forgiveness of sins. When you say, Father, I've sinned, please forgive me of my sins. You know, I believe God understands what we're saying and he's able to interpret it. But technically speaking, you don't have to ask God to forgive you of your sins. They've already been forgiven. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, He is the propitiation, that means the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John is saying not only Christians, but even people who aren't Christians, Jesus died and paid for their sins. Now, this doesn't mean that they're saved. 
because it says we're saved by grace. That's what Jesus did, paying for our sins through faith. Faith is our positive response to what Jesus did. So even though Jesus has died for the sins of the whole world, not everybody has received that forgiveness by faith. It also says in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, that we have access into this grace through faith. That word access there is the exact same word that we get our English word admission from. If you want to go to a movie, you have to buy a ticket to gain access to that. The thing that gives you access to God's grace is not your goodness, not your good works, but rather faith in what Jesus has done. So Jesus has paid for the sins of the whole world. And when did he do it? When he died on the cross. That was 2,000 years ago. Before you ever asked God to forgive you, God had already paid for your sins. And so it's not a matter of will he forgive you. He has forgiven you if you will receive it. All you got to do is mix faith with what God has already done and it releases this power of salvation. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. That means the same way that you receive salvation. Jesus had already paid for your sins. You just have to believe and receive. That's the same way that you receive healing. You don't have to ask God to heal you. Jesus healed you by his stripes that were taken on his back during that crucifixion period of time. You were healed 2,000 years ago. The power has already been generated, and I'll deal with this later as I continue to talk. But the power of God isn't out there in heaven someplace. It's inside of you. You already have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead inside of you. It's not out there that you've got to pray it down and get through the heavenlies and the demonic realm that's trying to block it. God's power, the raising from the dead power, is already on the inside of you. It's not a matter of getting God to stretch out his hand and to heal. It's a matter of you renewing your mind, believing and releasing what has already been placed on the inside of you. That sounds nearly too good to be true. And I, there's a lot more I've got to say about that. I haven't got time to explain it right here. But as we continue through Healing University, you're going to understand that it's not a matter of will he healed you. By his stripes, you were healed. The raising from the dead power that brings healing is already inside of you if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord. It is a part of salvation. And God has healed your body the same as he has forgiven you of sin. If you would start looking at healing as a part of the atonement instead of something that's separate. It would transform the way that you receive healing. You know, my dad died when I was uh, just 12 years old, just a few days after I turned 12 years old. And my dad was the chairman of the deacons in the Baptist church. He loved God. He led people to the Lord. And he was a godly man. But did you know, the Bible says, Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And our church didn't teach healing. They taught that God was God. And of course, since he's God, he could do anything. They didn't deny that people were healed in the Bible days. But they taught that all of these miracles passed away with the apostles. First of all, there are still apostles today. So that's an invalid 
argument, but they taught that these things ended back in the first century and that God didn't heal today. And because they didn't teach about healing and they actually taught against healing, my dad, he actually died when I was about two years old and our church group was praying and they had already pronounced him dead. He was out in the hall on a stretcher with a sheet over him. But my church leaders were having a prayer meeting and the pastor of the church just says, you know what, I believe that God has healed him right now. And he says, I'm going home. And at that exact moment, my dad kicked that sheet off and sat up and started talking. And he came back to life. So they believed that God could heal. And in a crisis situation, they had an all-night prayer meeting and they laid hold of God and they saw something good happen. But my dad came back sick. He was sick my whole time growing up and he finally died and stayed dead right after I'd turned 12 years old. And it wasn't because he was a bad person and it wasn't because he didn't love God. He did love God. He did good things. He was the chairman of the deacons. But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And most people do not know what the word of God says about healing. And so one of the things that I'm sharing, and this is foundational to me, you've got to believe that healing isn't an add-on. It's not an addition. It's not that God chooses to heal some people and chooses not to heal other people. No more than God chooses to save some people and he chooses not to save others. Is it true that there are some people who don't receive salvation? Absolutely. Jesus even said that there would be more entered by the broad gate unto destruction than there would by the narrow gate that leads unto everlasting life. So yes, there's plenty of people that aren't saved, but not because Jesus didn't die for their sins. It's because they haven't received. And some of them don't receive because they don't love God. They hate God. They're enjoying living in sin. But did you know, and I bet you that every one of you knows somebody like this who wants to know God and has cried out for salvation but never gets an assurance in their heart. I have dealt with a lot of people that have prayed and prayed and prayed for salvation, but they don't believe that they're saved. They are just hoping that they're saved. They don't have any assurance of their salvation. That's not because God hasn't provided it. It's because they're struggling to believe. So it's not only the people who hate God who don't receive salvation. There's some people who love God and want to have a relationship, but they just can't believe that God could forgive somebody as bad as them and they struggle. Well, likewise, there are some people who hate healing and don't want anything. They don't believe God's will to heal. And so guess what? They aren't perplexed about why aren't they healed. But then there's other people who want healing, but they haven't seen it. And they just struggle and they think, well, maybe it's not God's will. No, God has healed your body already. By his stripes, you were healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. He has healed your body just as much as he has forgiven your sins. It is not God who hasn't provided. It's us that struggle to receive. And notice right here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, by his stripes we were healed. The, verse, the phrase right in front of that it says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Notice it puts forgiveness of sins and healing of our body in the exact same verse. 
Here's another verse that says the same thing over in Psalms chapter 103. In verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Notice it puts the forgiveness of sins and the healing of your body in the exact same verse. And so the point is that healing is not just optional. It is for every one of us who've been born again. The word for salvation that is used over 360 something times in the Bible is the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O. And this word literally means to be whole, healed, and forgiven of sins. Matter of fact, it was translated, this same word, sozo, that was translated forgiven of, forgiven of sin, salvation, over 300 times in the Bible. It was translated healed in Mark chapter 5, verse 23, Luke chapter 8, verse 36, Acts 14, chapter, uh, verse 9. And also, here's a classic example of it, is over in James chapter 5. That's in verse 14, James 5, 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. You know what that Greek word is? Sozo. It's the exact same word that is translated as forgiveness of sins hundreds of times. And yet right here, it's obvious that when it says that the prayer of faith will save the sick. This isn't saying that your sins will be forgiven, but it's saying that your body will be healed. So God is not the one that broke salvation up into these parts where this is your spiritual salvation. And this is all that has been provided for everybody and that is guaranteed to everybody. But you could also maybe be healed. Maybe also you could be prospered. Maybe also you could be delivered of depression and discouragement. And God could do things. Those are all add-ons. Those are benefits for the super saints. But this is for everybody. I'm saying that healing is for everybody. Healing is for you. It's a part of the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord no more wants you to be sick than He wants you to sin. I tell you, that is amazing. And let me just share something with you. I'm probably going to be different than even many of the other people that speak here in Healing University. And I'm not saying that you have to be like this, but I am saying that this attitude needs to be there. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said that since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is preached and the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And you know, I used to struggle with that, but now I believe that this means that you've got to become violent. You've got to say, this is mine. Jesus purchased this for me and I am not going to let someone steal this from me. And so I have become violent in this area of healing. And I know that some of you may struggle with this, but this is my testimony and I'm sticking with it. I haven't been sick. There's been, there's been twice in 50 years that I've been sick. 
And really, it wasn't because just sickness came upon me. It was because I pushed my body too much. One time, I taught 40 uh, hours in one week, and then I taught 41 hours in the next week. And those two weeks combined, my body was just plumb give out, and I literally crawled into bed and stayed in bed nearly for 24 hours resting up. And I felt good enough after that that I went out and split a cord of wood, and that was too quick too soon, and I got a sinus infection, and for a couple of days, I fought that. That's one time I was sick. Another time, I came back from 36 hours in transit, coming back from overseas. I got back. It was in, I think, either January or February, but whatever. It was cold, and I had a pond that I had built, and the drain on it had plugged up. There was ice on this water in January in Colorado, and after being awake for 36 hours, I got down under that water, went down below the water, trying to clear up this drain and nearly froze to death. And I got a cold through that. And outside of those two things, I haven't been sick in 50 years. And that I don't even really consider that sickness. That's more stupidity. I am mortal and you do have to do some things to take care of your body. But I'm saying that I just don't get sick. I just don't believe in it. I'm violent about this. I believe that Jesus has purchased healing for me as much as he has purchased forgiveness of sins. And in the same way as I resist going and living in sin, well, I resist getting sick. I don't believe in being sick. I don't get sick. It has been years and years and years since I've even had anything fight me. Now, let me say this, that when I say I don't get sick, I've had like a cold or the flu symptoms start on me. I remember one time, maybe 20 years ago, that I was getting ready to go overseas and I had to get these uh, radio programs. This is back before I was on television and I've been on television since January the 3rd, 2000. So this was back in the 90s. And I was having to get these radio programs made before I left town. And as I started making the radio programs, my nose started running. I started sneezing. I started coughing. I started having aches come over me. I, it was every symptom of the flu. And so I had that come at me. But you know what? I had to get things done. And I just refused it. I took a few minutes and prayed in tongues and resisted and built myself up and spoke to my body. And within 10 or 15 minutes, I was okay. So now I've had things like that happen. I've had temptations to be sick. I remember one time eating some food when I was over in um, um, Scotland. And I think I got food poisoning. And I mean, I got really sick at my stomach and felt like I was going to throw up. But I don't throw up. Man, uh, I've thrown up once since I've been married. I've been married for 47 years. And right after we first got married, I threw up. I can't remember what happened. But, you know, my wife, Jamie, if she feels bad, she'll even make herself throw up to get it over with. And she'll feel better. Not me. And she never could understand, but it was because uh, she saw me at one time that I threw up. And I guarantee you, I'm one of these toilet huggers, man, I roll on the floor. It's a miserable experience. So because of that, I do not throw up. I just don't do it. And anyway, when I was in Scotland and ate something, and I believe I got food poisoning, and I mean, it was bad. I got up and I went to pray, and then in an hour's time, I was over it. So I've had things like this come against me. I've felt something, but I don't consider that as getting sick until it literally puts me on my back 
and wins, and it hasn't won. I've resisted it, and within minutes or an hour or two, it's gone. And the reason for that is because I've got this violent attitude. And I would encourage you to adopt it. You have to take the kingdom of heaven by force. You have to say, healing was purchased for me by Jesus. I am just as much healed by the stripes of Jesus as I am forgiven of sins. And I am not going to accept this cold, this headache, this flu, this cancer, these diseases, these aches and pains, arthritis, and on and on you could go. I'm not going to accept this any more than I would accept, you know, going out and living in sin. You know, hopefully, none of you watching this would just sit there and say, oh, I don't want to commit adultery. But if the temptation persists, you just say, well, I tried. But you know what? Every once in a while, you just, you know, once a year, once a decade, you have to go out and commit adultery. I think if you had that attitude, most people would see that that's wrong. No, you don't ever give in to sin. You fight sin like the plague that it is. But did you know that most people, when it comes to sickness, they have a different attitude. And they will resist sickness and say, oh, God, I'm feeling bad. Please take this away. But if it doesn't leave, well, then after all, you know, once a year, you got to have a cold. It's flu season or I'm getting older. And as I get older, I just can't expect to have the same strength and health and so you got to start having some aches and pains and things like this. No, I fight that stuff. You know, I'm now 70 years old, and I remember about, la I think it was last year, it might have been two years ago, I was opening the jar on something, and the lid was screwed on, and when I did, boy, pain hit my hand. The joints in my hand hurt. And I don't know what that was, but I've heard other people talk about arthritis and things like this. And so... Uh, anyway, I had thoughts of maybe this is arthritis or something. But instead of giving in to it, you know what I did? I took that thing and I went ahead and opened it. And then I put it back on and I opened it. I probably did that a hundred times, speaking in tongues and saying, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. And arthritis, you will have no dominion over me. And I fought it. And today I don't have any of that stuff. But see, there's a lot of people, well, I'm getting older. And because I guess you just should have a little bit of pain. You, you, you should not be able to do this and do this. It's not so. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent takes it by force. How can you have that attitude if you doubt that God wants you well? You can't. Because if you thought that God is the one that put this on you, or if you just thought that this is just natural and that as you get older, you have to start having certain things happen, well, then you know what? You would be resisting God, fighting against God, and that's not smart. You have to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that healing is a part of the atonement. You were redeemed from sickness at the cross, the same as you were redeemed from your sins at the cross. You were redeemed from sickness. And if you believe that, then you could fight against that sickness the same way that you fight against sin. I would not be sick any more than I would go commit adultery. And I know that that just blows most people out of the water. Because most people think, well, I don't have any choice about sickness. I do have a choice about sin. And see, that's one of the things that you're believing and thinking wrong. You do have a choice about sickness. 
Here's another thing, and I'll teach on this in more detail as we continue to go through this, but Satan cannot do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. And some of you I know right now are thinking, this cannot be true. I did not ask for cancer. I did not ask for heart problems. I inherited this. It's genetic. I have nothing to do with it. Well, you may not have prayed and said, oh, God, give me heart problems. You may not have said, I want cancer. But you cooperated in the sense that you thought, well, this is just normal. It's hereditary and I can't do anything about it. That attitude right there submits you to the devil. If you were to take what the word of God says, that by his stripes you are healed, by his stripes you were healed, this is the fulfillment. Jesus purchased healing for you. And if you were to say, I'm a new creature, and now the curse of previous generations isn't going to claim uh, lay any claim to me. See, if you were to be thinking according to what the word of God says, Satan would not have the right to do that to you. My dad died of heart disease. He actually died when I was two years old and was raised from the dead because of our church people praying for him. But he finally died when I was 12 years old and stayed dead. And he had heart problems. And uh, every time I have ever gotten an insurance physical or something like this, because my dad died at a young age, he was 54 years old, they just, um, you know, say, well, then you've got heart problems. It's hereditary and you're always going to have this. But now I'm 70 years old at the time I'm making this. And did you know what? I'm healthy as a horse. I just had to get a physical not long ago. And they said my heart is the heart of a 17-year-old because I rejected that. You do not have to let what happened to somebody else in your family dominate you. But if you believe that, if you believe that you're only human, if you don't believe that you have the power and the ability of God on the inside of you to appropriate what he's already provided. And you go around saying that, you know what, this runs in the family. And so I guess I have to be this. If you say that, you may not realize it. It may not have been intentional on your part, but you have cooperated with the devil. Satan can't do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. It may not be intentional. It may be through ignorance. But nonetheless, it will destroy you. You don't, you don't have to intentionally go out and do something to damage yourself. But many of us know people that, you know, have, have uh, like, say, for instance, in Vietnam when I was there, they had this Agent Orange, and they sprayed that, and people were hurt, and they didn't pray for it. They didn't ask for it, but it was something that happened to them. It wasn't intentional, but they didn't stand and resist it and reject it. You have to fight against this. You have to take your thoughts captive and you have to be violently resolved that I am going to have the healing that Jesus purchased for me. It's just as much a part of your salvation as forgiveness of sins. You know, let me use this logic with you. Look over here in Luke chapter 11. And this is Jesus teaching and he said in Luke chapter 11 and in verse 9, he says, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. This is saying that everyone that asks 
receives. And then in verse 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Of course, the answer to every one of these things is no. If your child came to you and asked for a piece of bread, would you give them a stone that they could bite down on and hurt themselves, break a tooth? If they asked for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? If they asked for a fish, would you give them a serpent? No good parent would do something like that. And then he says in the next verse, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. You know what this is doing? It's using a human relationship to illustrate how our Heavenly Father treats us. Now, there's no doubt that there are some parents that are just evil. But I'm saying that under normal circumstances, even an average person, even a parent that isn't perfect and stuff would treat their children better than this. And God the Father is saying, if you, being evil, would treat your children better than this, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So what I'm doing here is drawing on this. You know, let me give you an illustration. I had a man that called me for prayer. He was dying, and I went over and ministered to him, and he received to a degree, but he didn't just get instantly healed. It was a progressive thing. He got to where he couldn't even hold the phone up to his Yeah, the first time that he called me, his wife had to hold the phone up to him. I went over and day after day after day, I ministered to him. He got to where he could sit up. He could get out of bed. He started eating. He started gaining weight. He started driving a car. And remember, he didn't even have enough strength to hold the phone up. And over a month or two, he had progressed to where he was doing great, but he still had some problems. And he just basically says, I can't believe that it's God's will for me to be well, because if it was, it just would have already happened. And so I was trying to tell him, I said, look at how much you've progressed. I said, the doctor said that they sent him home in an ambulance and said it was impossible for him to live over a week. And yet it had been a month or two and he had gained strength and had been doing good things. I was trying to convince him it was God's will. And he says, I just can't believe that God wills for me to be well. And yet his wife was sitting right there by his bed. And I said, if your wife had the power to heal you and she could just heal you, do you think that she would just let you suffer like this and she would let you die? I said, even though you haven't been the perfect husband, I'm sure you've had a fight or something or there's been something wrong. But do you think that your wife would just watch you die and not want you well? And he actually got a little bit offended, like, no way. He says, she would do anything. If she could, she'd take my place. And I said, and you think God loves you less than your wife? See, that's what Jesus was saying here. If you being evil would treat your children this way, do you think that your children, if your children were sick, would you just let your child suffer because, you know, they didn't make up their bed because they haven't done as well in school because they had a fight with their sibling or something and so you just let them suffer? If you're a decent parent, you wouldn't do that. You would heal them. It's your will for them to be well. Well, your heavenly Father loves you much more than any of you love your children. 
If that's all you did was just bring it down to our Father is a good God, would a good parent watch their child just be quadriplegic and suffer and do all of these things? You know, here's another example that I was ministering in Colorado Springs many years ago. This has been 25 or 30 years ago. And I had a man come to my meeting whose daughter was quadriplegic. She was 12 years old and she was she was alive, but she was quadriplegic. She couldn't control her body. She wasn't there mentally. She couldn't communicate with you. She was just alive, but she wasn't functioning well. And anyway, he brought her in a wheelchair and I was teaching along these lines and he got mad and he left. And the person who brought him to the service says, let's wait until the service is over and ask this guy what he was talking about. Maybe he misunderstood something. So the man stayed around and after the service was over, I remember him bringing his daughter and she was in a wheelchair right in front of me and he was standing behind the wheelchair and he started saying, God made my daughter this way. It's God's will that she be quadriplegic. It's God's will that she not be there mentally and emotionally and he was blaming God. That's the way that he had coped. And, you know, I understand that because it's a hard thing to see your child that you love suffer. And so you want to try and figure out, is there any reason for this? And, of course, religion came along and told him God wanted her to be that way. And so he had latched on to that. And that was the way that he had learned to cope with this negative situation was just to believe that God somehow or another works in mysterious ways, that God had some purpose for this. And I used scripture with him, many of the same scriptures that I used on the last teaching as well as this one. And I used scripture with him and he was just not believing. And so finally, I just looked at this man. And again, his daughter was in the wheelchair in between us. He was standing behind it. I looked at him and I said, what kind of father are you anyway? And he just looked at me and I said, you don't care. You want your daughter to be quadriplegic. She's 12 years old. She can't talk. She can't walk. She can't even control her bowels. You have to uh, change your diapers. I said, what kind of father are you that wants your daughter to be like that? And boy, this guy got hot at me. I mean, he if she hadn't have been in between us, he might have taken a swing at me. And he says, I, he says, I would do anything for my daughter. He says, if I could, I'd take her place. I'd be like she is so she could be like me. He says, how dare you say that I want her to be this way? And then I said, and you think you love your daughter more than God does. And when I said that, all of a sudden he got my point. He didn't understand the scriptures. He wouldn't accept them that I was quoting. But when I brought it down to just a personal relationship, he saw that, man, he loved her and he would do anything to produce healing in his daughter. And here's God Almighty, who is all powerful, who he was thinking just didn't care. It wasn't his will that somehow or another he wanted his daughter to be like that. See, if you were to think about this, you would never accept this. You know, I've already used these verses, but let me turn back over to Isaiah chapter 53 is where I read those verses that by his stripes we are healed. Let me just back up into the 52nd chapter of Isaiah. And again, I wish I had time to put all of this in his context, but if you will read this, these are all prophetic scriptures about Jesus and what he would accomplish for us through his death and resurrection. 
And in Isaiah chapter 52, in verse 14, it says, As many were astonished at thee. This is talking to the Jewish nation in the same way that they had suffered, that they had been ridiculed, that they had been ostracized and all of these things. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. Now, we don't use this word visage very much today, but the word visage means face. The face of Jesus was marred more than any man that has ever lived on this planet and his form more than the sons of man. The NIV translates this so that he didn't even look human. Let me suggest to you that no Roman beating could have fulfilled this scripture. I believe that when Jesus was beaten with the whips, when he had the crown of thorns put on his head, when he was slapped, spit upon, and mocked, that was terrible. And I'm not trying to diminish that at all. But this is even beyond that. This says his face was marred more than any other man's face has ever been marred. I had a man one time come and ask for prayer and he had a, a cloth over his face and I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I said, you're going to have to remove the cloth. And when he did, he had had a cancer that had eaten away his cheeks, his lips, part of his nose was gone and he had fluids pouring out of his face and it was grotesque looking. In that same meeting, I had a man who cancer had eaten away his left eye. And he had a cancer that had just eaten over part of his face. And it was grotesque looking. This says that Jesus was marred more than that. And it says that his form didn't even look human. No beating could have done that. You know what this is talking about? He bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. I believe that that cancer that I saw on a man's face, this cancer that had eaten off a person's face... I've seen people that had swollen heads. I've seen people with elephantitis and different kinds of diseases where they have these tumors and they retain things and their legs are, are just huge. I believe that every sickness, every disease that ever has come upon the human race, every tumor, every deformity that has ever come upon the human race entered into the body of Jesus. On the cross. That's the only thing that could fulfill Isaiah 52, verse 14. It wasn't just the Roman beating, as bad as that was. I'm not trying to minimize that, but I'm saying it was more than that. He took your sickness and my sickness on the cross. And if Jesus suffered sickness for me, then I'm not going to let it just lay on the table and not take advantage of it. That would be like a person coming and they offer you all of these things. They provided it at great expense and suffering to themselves. And you just pick and choose and say, well, I'll take this. But you know what? I don't want the rest of that. For you to say that, oh, Father, I receive forgiveness of sins. But healing, uh, it doesn't matter whether I get healed or not. Or joy or peace or prosperity or whatever. I just, you know, I'm just going to receive forgiveness of sins. I think that one of the reasons people have that attitude is because the religious church is afraid to believe that it's God's will to heal. Because if you start preaching that, well, then there's going to be somebody who wants to be healed, who doesn't manifest a healing. And how are you going to deal with that? 
We're going to talk about this more, reasons why people aren't healed, how you deal with that. I'm not going to answer it right now. But they're afraid to do this, and so they only talk about forgiveness of sins because you can't see that. You can't see if their sins are truly forgiven. And so it's easy to just preach this, and then we'll wait until we get to heaven. And if you make it to heaven, well, then it must have been the real deal. If you don't, well, then it wasn't. And so you can talk about forgiveness of sins, but when you talk about healing, it's either put up or shut up. You either got to start seeing the power of God in manifestation, or if it doesn't work, well, then you got to come up with an answer. What's going on here? And I believe that rather than most people persevering through all of the things and getting with God and getting their questions answered, they just take the easy route out and they say, well, forgiveness of sins is all that's guaranteed. And so we just pray and in a sense you throw your prayer up in the air and if it gets answered, wonderful. And if it falls back to the ground, well, must not have been God's will. That's chicken praying. That's easy way of praying. I'm telling you that healing is a part of the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to be healed as much as he wants you to be forgiven of sin. Jesus does not want you to be sick any more than he wants you to go live in sin. If you live in sin, there is forgiveness and God still loves you. If you are sick, God's not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. But I hate sickness as much as I hate sin. And I am not going to be sick any more than I would go out and intentionally sin. I tell you, if you get that attitude, that is going to help propel you a long ways towards seeing your healing come to pass. So, Father, right now, I pray again for all of the people that have watched this session. And, Father, I pray that you'd take these things. I know a lot of what I've said is radical for most people. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help distill this, to condense it down, to apply it to their life. And help these people get to where they are not going to sit there and allow sickness. They are going to resist sickness like the demonic thing that it is. Knowing that this is not God's will for them. I believe that you are stirring people up right now, Father. That people will hate that sickness. You told us to be angry and, and do it in a way that isn't sin. There is an anger that isn't sin. Ephesians 4, 26 and Father, we don't let it go to rest. We don't let the sun set on it. I hate sickness. I hate the sickness that is oppressing people right now. And in the name of Jesus, Satan, you loose them and let them go. Cancers, you die right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Blind eyes, you open up. Ears, you open up. I command tumors to go. Command hearts to be healed. Arteries to be healed. All kinds of pain hernias to be healed right now. I release the healing power of God. And Satan, we hate you. We speak against this sickness and command you to get out of our lives now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, just as I shared today, I pray that you show people that you love them so much that you would become like we are so that we could become like you are, that you've already done it. Jesus bore our sicknesses, carried our diseases. His face was marred more than any other man. Your form didn't even look human because you took our sickness and our disease into your own body. 
and you suffered for us. And Father, I don't want to res- I don't want to take anything that you've provided and just leave it there as if it's not important. I know you went to great expense to provide our healing, and Father, I receive it, and I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would help them to receive it. Father, give them a revelation. Let them see you on the cross. By faith, in their imagination, in their heart, let them see their sickness being put upon you. And they would recognize that healing is a part of the atonement. That it has been placed upon Jesus and that we don't have to be sick. Father, I thank you for this. I believe that you are revealing this to people right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. You know, yeah, I I like what he said in that prayer. You know, see your sickness upon Jesus. Our imagination has a big part. Do we see ourselves well or do we see ourselves sick? I think that's just huge. Absolutely. Um, To see our, just like we know that our sin was placed on Jesus, do we see sickness? Anything that's coming against us in that form placed on Jesus? That's a new concept. Some, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of churches are not teaching that. But do we see? But yet, throughout the scriptures, we see Psalms, Isaiah, First Peter, Matthew, where he connects forgiveness of sin and healing together. But it's always taught separately. It's hard to fathom. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um He took Jesus took the curse and sickness was a part of the curse. Absolutely. So I think people like the easy way though. They they yeah. like to be able to say, you know, I, I call it I mean and I've heard other ministers say it, but it's the fast food, you know, way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you have an issue then if it doesn't happen in the time it would take you to get your, your hamburger at yeah. you know McDonald's, mm-hmm. then a lot of people just give up and go, well, I guess God didn't want me to be here, right? Yeah. Uh, we were watching The Chosen, and mm-hmm. yeah. it was the worst thing that I had seen in quite some time from a show that is touching so many people. I know. <laughs> and... I literally was upset by it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus telling one of his disciples that he he trusted him with sickness. That was mm-hmm. the stupidest thing that I have ever seen. Yeah. Because there was no scripture to back there that up. There was not. Mm-mm. And and so the 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 point was that your your idealism of God, your idol which is an in my in my estimation is we should have no idols. Well, an idol is something that you put before God. Well, you're putting your sickness before God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that they'll go, well, God must want me to be sick because He hasn't healed me yet. And 
And so you've negated his word. You've negated mm -hmm. his idealisms. And you've put your idealisms ahead mm -hmm. of his. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're worshiping idols rather than worshiping God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I... I've had some very interesting conversations with people about that, yeah. and and I, they 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 try to make me the bad guy because of that. But it, it's the word is truth, and our yeah. idealisms are false. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to line up with what the word says. Our thinking has to line up with what God's word says. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the story about the roast in the pan. I know y'all probably all heard it, you know. We've got to break those traditions of men that's made God's Word not effective. Um, and those traditions have kept us saved and stuck. <laughs> you know, kept us saved and stuck. Um, and I don't claim to have arrived. I, you know, I have to stand in battle sometimes just like everybody else, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, you know, but but I've seen some stuff and I know this is what I believe, you know. And with time and, you go through. You do. You learn to go through. You do, you do. I've been it's healed. It's not that you're not I've blocked seen, or you're not trying to stop that you mm -hmm. go on through. Yeah, yeah. So. And I've, I've been healed. I've seen my children healed. I've seen my grandkids healed. Um you know, from different things, and you just, you stand. And you just don't consider any, I mean, you know, you just don't consider anything else. The only thing I can be is healed. Because the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Yeah. That's huge. That's a scripture. That's in the Word of God that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in each one of us as believers. Just that alone is huge. That's right. You know? When you really stop and ponder that and think about that, the power that we contain as believers through the Holy Spirit. I, you know, and she can not if she doesn't want to, but I would like for my mom, if she's willing to, to give her testimony. Because, oh, I'd love to. Yeah. I, because they, we've been teaching a lot about a lot of these same mm -hmm. things over mm -hmm. over the last three years that we've been doing mm -hmm. church and you know we've seen some miraculous things happening yeah. in my mom's body and yeah. I really would like for her to give that testimony. Well I was thinking about that as she was talking. Awesome. Um, I've got a myriad of issues and um, although when he was talking about his dad dying young, my mother died at age 50 but now, my entire life, I was bound to determine I was not going to die at age 50. So that was that had, that was just something yeah. in my head. Yeah. Um, it started with my knees and all kinds of issues, just little things. Mm -hmm. And um, so we prayed about it. And as Dusty would teach, I would feel strength. But now, it didn't just happen like that. Right. I had to walk through it. And I took some physical therapy mm -hmm. and have done things to help the situation. Mm -hmm. But I felt the healing. I yeah. felt it coming. Yeah. And then, um, then my eyes, I've had one issue after another. But um, they told me it would take three to four weeks for my eyes to heal. 
in less than two weeks, my eyes were healed. In fact, I think three days after surgery, my eyes were healed. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, you still have to go through that process. But uh, when I went for my two-week visit, he said, you don't have to do anything else. Your eyes are completely awesome. healed. Awesome. So I had a hole So yeah. retina. Yeah. So, uh, and I think all healing comes from God. Even if it, even if you have to have the surgery, even if you have to take the medication, I'm not saying that that's bad. But in the midst of even while you're walking through that, you're believing that you're going to come out on the other side completely and totally healed. Absolutely. Um, it's like I was starting to have some aches and pains and joints and all that. I'm like, yeah, I can feel that knee. You know, I can feel that shoulder. And um, I've changed the way I'm eating. And it's took care of a lot of it. But I praise God for that because it's it it was my part. You know, God wasn't putting all that on me. Well, I and, and, and so I had to make some changes. But to, Satan's the one, I think, that gives us this whole thing. We get so addicted to different things we eat and this and that and the other. So that's all a part of Satan, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break in here because <laughs> she didn't give you the praise God moments, though, yeah. okay? Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's, she gave you the 10,000-foot view, but yeah. see, the thing is is that uh, on on January 1st, we mm -hmm. had church service, and by the Holy Spirit, I said, in the name of Jesus, power and strength in our body. Yeah. And my name and, and the people's and mom said the moment that I said that, she said, strength just mm -hmm. came into her. Yeah. And she said that week, she started walking. And so she started putting some feet with her face. Yeah. Right? And so it was it was a walk and a walk and a walk. And she just kept doing it, kept yeah. doing it. Well, then, I mean, this past, I don't know, like the past month, I mean, she's been going and doing all these, like, exercises and stuff. But, I mean, my dad says that she's, you know, driving him up the wall because she's just out there just doing stuff. And, you know, just, yeah. I mean, you know, cleaning the house and doing, and awesome. he just looked at me the other day and said, there's some amazing stuff happening in your mind. Praise God. That's wonderful. I mean, it's not it's not just mama's testimony. Yeah. My dad's going, wait a minute. Yeah. I used to have to go do stuff for her. Yeah. Now she goes and does for herself. That's awesome. So I, I just, praise the God. praise God December and January, I could not have, when I bought groceries, I was out the rest of the day oh, just from walking yeah. around the grocery store. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, I've completely redone a room and a porch in three Ooh. days. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then came to class tonight. And I came to class Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. Praise God. Um, that is, that's a miracle. So, yeah. But. The whole thing is, ever since I, I tell you what, this been this church, uh, Dusty's preaching and bringing the whole um, the way Andrew Warnack train, you know, the training dog got mm -hmm. in everything. That has been amazing because you don't learn this in regular church. Mm -hmm. I've been Baptist, I've been Methodist, I've been Baptist. <laughs> I've been Baptist. I've been Baptist. You've been dunked, you've been sprinkled, you've been hosed down. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even mind getting dunked again. <laughs> <laughs> I was sharing with Dusty when I moved down here. I was trying to get out of the Catholic Church. I was looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for. So when I found out I was moving down here, I had no clue, by the way, that I was moving to a Bible. Though. 
Yeah, never even heard of it. <laughs> never heard of that. Never heard of it. So, and I'm from Milwaukee, so there's a fire on every corner. There's a church on every corner. I, it, it was a hard time even finding a Catholic church down here. <laughs> but when I learned I was moving here, I was just like, I was so excited. I was going to go to, I was looking for something different. Yeah. And I was going to get them all up. The Lord had other plans. I only made it to Presbyterian, which was a really good stepping stone for me coming from a Catholic church yeah. because it was very conservative. And structured. <laughs> but he introduced me to the Bible. The Catholics do not give you the Bible. Um, so it was a very good stepping stone for me. But then it, like, I had visited a Methodist church on one occasion. Not on a Sunday. It was like Monday, Monday. First, I didn't really heard that. You'd think I did. But anyway, I did that, and that was eerily a lot of Catholic rituals in there, too. And I was like, oh. And it was when Joe moved on here. That yeah. Literally, too. like, I went from one jump to the next, to like extreme. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so the Lord had different plans. I thought I was going to, I really thought I was going to be in a Baptist church. Not stay there, but I was going to visit one. I had never even been in a Baptist church. Not that I'm, that I'm aware of. <laughs> They're not so I bad. Mean, we all grew up Baptist. <laughs> so, like, but I really was. I, in my head, I was going to test them all out. I was going to see what they were all about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was not the point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. But, yeah. yeah. You, you know, one of the things I think, and, and this was, this was the, the main the main point that I took away, even from past teachings I've heard, mm -hmm. is that you got to fight. Mm -hmm. You can't just give up. You can't just sit back on your walls. You can't say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest on it. You know, and, and later on we're gonna hear some stuff about, you know, speaking to your, to your problems, saying the authority of God. He's already brought up Mark 11, 23, 24, mm -hmm. but. You can't stop saying. Yeah. You can't stop. You know, we used to have the the, the confession police. Heather and I would talk about that all the time. You couldn't say anything I bad, that, right? I but but the problem was is that I never really understood it until I went through some of these classes. That it wasn't. I mean, I can say something flippantly, like you know, we're 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 joking around or whatever. Oh, my toes gonna fall off. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. you know. That thing almost killed me, you know, something like that. That's just, yeah. that's just, but you know, people it. speaking mindlessly. Yeah. But the thing is, is when we speak our authority in the mm -hmm. name of that's Jesus, mm -hmm. we need to, we need to focus in, and, and we, I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to give yourself over to the talk of the devil. The devil is is trying to commiserate around somebody's problem. We need to be able to speak to our problem and say, "Go." Mm -hmm. The whole mountain is whatever, whatever your thing sure. is. If it's, I couldn't walk, but now I'm believing in Jesus' name. I'm gonna walk a mile today. Yeah. You know, I was called. I called mom like I guess it was a month ago, and she was out there huffing it out mm -hmm. on the street. And I, I'm talking to her, and she said, "I'm walking a mile." Praise God. I was like, Whoa. Yep. Usually, I'm talking to mom, yeah. and she's sitting in the house, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I mean. I'm not sure where they're feeding up. Where they're feeding up. You know, this is one of the things that we've got to fight. Mm -hmm. We can't. We can't go back on the on the like he said. 
you know, I, I took that, I took that that jar. I had a pain in that's probably arthritis. Well, in the name of Jesus, you know, yeah, hundred times, hundred yeah. times. Well, yeah. you know, he if he had needed to do a hundred and one times, keep doing it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Yeah, and, and so many times people waver. They, they just they waver back and forth. Well, I'm healed. Okay, I'm healed. Then the next day you wake up, you got a pain, you go, well, I think I'm just going to rest today and kick my feet up. You know, you give into it. And that's wavering. I find myself not necessarily giving in. I just, I don't feel like speaking out loud. Like, I'll be like, I'll speak over it. And then, like you said, you kind of, everything passes. And then, then you feel it and you're like, I, I get occupied. And I just, now I'm dealing with, I'm just, I'm really not stopping and speaking to my issue. I'm letting it ride its course and ex basically accepting it, really. When, I'm when too my, lazy to speak over my, my When issue. my back was healed, I had, I, my girls were teenagers. And I could not, I couldn't, I could get from the car to the mall, but by the time I got inside the mall, I had I sit out there with the little old men out there in the middle while my girls went and shopped because I couldn't I couldn't walk through the mall for hours like they did, and um, I it's just like my back would just lock up pain you know I don't I don't know what it was or why it was but it went on for probably about a year, and um, I had someone pray for, over me they laid hands on me and prayed for me it was actually actually at Victory it was David Dixon. And um, he called it out, and I went up there, and I said, I've been believing for healing, and, and he laid hands on me, and I was instantly, I mean, it's like, I felt it. I felt my back line up, or whatever it did, and it completely went away. But the next morning when I rolled out of the bed, the pain was there. The pain had came back overnight, and I knew immediately, though, I could not give in to that. I was like, no, I was healed. And I'm not settling for anything less. And so I um, I just kept standing and kept standing. And then throughout the day, you know, the pain would try to come. And I would just stand. I was like, no, I was healed. When he laid hands on me, I felt the power of God. And I was healed. And I'm not going back. This is You're not stealing from me anymore, devil. I am healed. And this is the, this is the end for you. And I never had another minute's problem. So I have a question. So, so like, my what I struggle with, with the whole healing thing, because I totally believe it, but, like, I struggle when I feel like I'm the only one. Like, when I go back home, my family, like, when my dad was, I believe different. was, in, was dying, I was so angry with them, like, do not speak death over him. Do not speak it. Yeah. I don't care if you think it, yeah. don't speak it. And I know they were. They didn't do it. They, they really tried not to do it around me. But I felt defeated. You know, I felt like I was, it was me. Against them. Against them. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there were so many things that came out of that. You know, that <coughs> but I, some, I struggle with that. You know, I struggle with feeling like there's more people speaking the opposite of what I'm speaking and how does that how do you you know keep that faith well so you can speak over yourself mm -hmm. but 
you have to get their will to line up with your will. That's called agreement. And, and, and this is something that, you know, I mean, Mom can probably tell you, you know, years ago, I was the confession police. It was like, because I thought that my words was going to change them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is that they've never been taught what I've been taught, right? There was never a point where they got what I had. So and I was so inept at being able to convey it because I, you know, the Lord really had not opened up my eyes to how to to teach people at this point. And also, when it comes to your family, sometimes you're the worst it's person. Really difficult. Yeah, it's hard. you're the worst person to minister yeah. to. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm very, very blessed because I have a lot of my family in this church now, but. 20 years ago or 15 years ago or 10 years ago there was a lot I mean there was there would have been a point where it was going to hit a wall right and and the reason why I say this is because you need to understand that you're trying to get agreement and just because you say it or they say it because it doesn't mean that they believe it and if they don't believe it, it's just like Jesus where he was saying, and we were talking about in the first lesson, that you know he, that he went into his own hometown and they went, where's that boy Jesus that was the carpenter? Oh, he ran around here. I remember when he like broke my window, right? Well, they, they looked at him and said he couldn't, he couldn't heal anyone but a few minor sicknesses. He actually went into one town, got got the guy, and took him outside of the city. That was called the stronghold. Mm-hmm. I mean, that whole city was like in doubt and unbelief around God. So sometimes, sometimes you're going to be able to you're going to be able to make inroads, but you have to be patient with people because people don't understand. Okay. And and you have to. I, I started I started giving. Uh, Larry Hutton scriptures to mom. What about 2011 when you went in the hospital with the stuff? I, I started doing that kind of stuff because I wanted them to understand at least a part of what I understood. Mm-hmm. So Andrew Womack, I, I started giving them that for them to listen to because they, I mean, I could preach all day long. There's probably people in our church that would hear Andrew Womack go, I've never heard this before. And I go, I preach it every Sunday, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's that sometimes people need a connection with somebody other than you, right? Yeah. So so in order to get agreement, you have to put yourself in the place of saying, is this for someone else? Is this for me to minister? And Lord, show me how to minister to these yeah. people little by little by little because you're not going to change, you know, seed time and harvest. You plant a seed today, a harvest doesn't come until the end of the, the season. So you have to plant seeds and water them. So, so you, you won't go into a situation, especially when there's the possibility of death, and go change someone's heart. You've got to go do that now, and you've got to get them on board in the good times, mm-hmm. right? Now, I have seen it where there has been some people and they believe God and you could get them on board, especially the person who had the sickness, and you could lay hands on them and it, and it superseded everybody else's thing, right? But, but 
if that person is is not willing, like like let's say your dad, if he's never heard it, he's like, I don't know he what to believe. He doesn't know how to believe. He doesn't yeah. know how to believe. In fact, there's a lot of times when I'm praying for someone, I and they're they're telling me, well, I just don't know if I believe. I go, can you believe what I believe? Can I put you in neutral? Because I won't pray for them if they tell me that they're not believing. Because that hurts their faith if, I, if I'm believing and they're not and they don't get healed. Yeah. Right? They just go, well, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I've been very young in my faith and done that a lot and it hurt my faith. Right? Mm-hmm. So you have, to, you have to get to the point to where you say, there may need to be some teaching like this school before you actually get somebody to start believing. So, so I, I, I say that because I, I want you to I want you to, to think about that that you know you don't want to be the Pharisee that's sitting there going quit speaking this way when they don't know any other way to speak. Yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of all of this. So, when my dad ended up in the hospital, he. He, I mean, they had a will that they didn't want to be on life support. So this happened like on a Sunday morning. I literally had to drive home. They were, they, they literally in their minds thought my dad was going to pass away that night. I was like, that's not happening. He is not dying before I get home. And I was speaking it. I mean, they went around me. They didn't know this, but they were fighting me about a matter of spending $800 flying home to drive. I said, I didn't drive me. But I got there, and so this Monday morning, got to see my dad, and my pastor at the time said, you are stronger than you think you are. No, I did not believe that. Mm-hmm. But I had a silent ride home. I prayed. I was mad. I'm telling you, the Lord gave me strength that I didn't even know I have. They thought, I'm the only girl, I have three brothers, they thought I was going to walk in that room and be break down. I never cried. Until the, I, I cried on a rare occasion. I didn't even cry during the funeral. But like, so Monday comes. I got a little bit of time with my dad. Never any alone time. And then Tuesday morning comes, and we're all in this conversation about we're gonna allow my, you know, the hospice thing, and we're gonna allow my dad. This. So they were getting ready to wanting to mm-hmm. take him off the breathing tubes. And I said, it, and I wasn't saying anything. And my brother turned around and says, "Well, before we go anywhere." turns around and looks at me and he goes, what are, you, what, are your, what are you thinking? And I said, I need one more day. I said, I haven't had any time with death. Yeah. And so they, they granted it. And, awesome. and this is so not my personality. <laughs> so I had this healing book from Kenneth Copeland. All these healing verses and different translations. And I went in that room. They finally gave me some alone time with my dad. And I just sat there and spoke mm-hmm. this stuff over him. And now when somebody would come in a room, typically I, my response is to be quiet, shut up. You know, I, I'm bold when I'm by myself. Okay. I didn't care. I didn't care when the nurses came in. And then we got interrupted. We had family come and visit. And, you know, when they stopped talking to my dad, I was like, I went back to speaking over him. I'm like, I yeah. ignored him. Yeah. And I could see my dad's eye. He couldn't open his eyes, but I could see him moving. Yeah. yeah. He was hearing He was that hearing word. me. Mm-hmm. He was hearing what yeah. I was saying. Yeah. I said, and I kept telling him, you will live. You will live. 
So Tuesday night comes and they bring in the pastor. And I'm, I, th I'm all, this, I didn't know better. I just, so that's why it was a God thing. But So there, he comes in to pray over my dad and I'm, 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 he starts bringing up all these things. He just started talking and I got mad and I walked out of the room. And I'm pacing. I'm mad. And they're all watching, they're doing their thing and he finishes up and my dad must have bolted and of course that's a sign. And I, I walked in, and it was so not me, but I walked into that room, and they put it back on, and I said, you, I go, don't you listen to him, and I go straight at the pastor, <laughs> and I said, you will open your eyes. I said, it may not be tonight, but you will open those eyes. And everybody cleared out of the room, because Crazy Bard was in the room, <laughs> and that was so not me, but I spoke it, yeah. and I left, my mom stayed, yeah. One o'clock in the morning, I got a call from my brother, and my dad opened his eyes. Now he wasn't speaking, and he wasn't yeah. squeezing your hand, yeah. but he opened his eyes, and he was aware. Mm -hmm. We got him for one day like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I truly believe if I had not been speaking all of that over him, sure. we wouldn't have even gotten that day. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Faith is active. It's not passive. But I do believe mm -hmm. my dad chose to go. I do believe he saw a better. Yeah. Um, although I will tell you, the enemy did come at me because I didn't speak, continue to speak mm -hmm. it that day that he woke up. I didn't continue. Yeah, you can't blame yourself. I and I don't. But let yeah. me tell you, he yeah. he tried really hard. Yeah. But it was a beautiful. I know my family saw it. Yeah. We don't talk about it. Yeah. That could be a seed. But I know they yeah. it. Yeah. Because. To this day, whenever there's somebody, my mom will always call me and ask me to pray, to pray and get my prayer yeah. people to pray. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. yeah. She doesn't call my brothers and ask for prayers. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So I Barbara know, will pray for you. <laughs> I know she. Stand. Something is turning. Yeah, but I. Because even when I a salvation part, when I got down here and learned about that, I mean, people telling me, "Do you know you're saved?" I'm like looking at them like, "What is that?" I did. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody wants to be that person that saves you. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> but I was on a mission to try to save my family. And every time I'd go home, I had this big plan on how I was going to try to get them to say this prayer of salvation, right? Yeah. Because I didn't know. Yeah. And I don't know, after a couple of years, it, nothing ever, it all fizzled. It never worked out when I went home. Yeah. And I finally, the, the Lord had just, I had to be, sit back and it was like, it, it's not going to be me. Or I had to actually just trust that the Catholic Church, somewhere in there, we said the prayer of salvation, somewhere. And I know my parents believe it. Yeah. So I had to trust. So I don't know that my dad ever said the prayer of salvation. But I am believing and trusting that. Just keep praying. He knew there. Jesus. If he, my I sister, mean, Catholics know Jesus. Thank you. She and like you said, if anything, it, I knew it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be me. They weren't going to hear it from me yeah. that somehow. So I'm so ignorant to my Catholic faith that I, but I am believing that somewhere in those, all the little prayers that they make us say, yeah. there had been something. Yeah. yeah. And I know my parents, was, so I don't know, but I do know, I do believe my dad's in heaven. Yeah. But I, I was, I, mean, I was young, naive, didn't know. I was like, okay, now I'm saved. I got to save my family. <laughs> you do, you you, you know, I didn't grow up in this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My sister's an atheist, and I pray, pray, pray. 
But I prayed, Lord, please send somebody. Yeah. And now, when my daughter went down to visit at um, um, Thanksgiving, she comes home and tells me that people moved in next door to her that are Christians. Mm -hmm. And that they had been talking to her and this friend of hers about salvation. And um, so God was sending people. Yeah. So he was answering my prayers. Yeah. Now, I don't know, you know, it, so far it hasn't helped. But you don't know that's a seed that that's planted. That's a seed planted. That's, right. that's planted. You know yeah. what's happening under the surface. Right, that's right, right. But he yeah. did send Christians. To yes. talk to her. Awesome. Rich ones, because she she's rich. I mean, you know, they live in this rich neighborhood. So it had to be rich people to live in this neighborhood. <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. That's cute. So yeah. Faith is active. So we walk it out. Anybody else? Anything? Myra, you've been so quiet. <laughs> Taking it all in. I've never seen her so quiet. She's usually teaching. Yeah. It's nice to sit back and just be quiet. Just listen. Yeah. Just take it in. Yeah. So, anybody else? Any thoughts about tonight? It was, it was good. good. I enjoyed it. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And it builds every week. <laughs> every week. I think next week is Carrie Pickett, and I don't remember. Yeah, Greg Moore and Carrie Pickett. I'll be a great one out too. So I'm going to Carrie Pickett. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Anything else? Ooh. Anything else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.